Section 42 of Loss of the Sultana by Chester D. Berry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 42. Daniel Garber. I was born in Washington County, Pennsylvania, April 8, 1828, and enlisted in the service of the United States at Belleville, Ohio, August 16, 1862 in Company E, 102nd Regiment Ohio Volunteer Infantry, as a private. The regiment was assigned to the 20th Army Corps. I engaged in the campaign in Kentucky and Tennessee in pursuit of the rebel General Bragg in 1862. In all the marches and engagements of the regiment I took part, from Louisville, Kentucky, until I was taken prisoner at Athens, Alabama, September 23, 1864 the Union forces were attempting to drive General Hood back. I was at the time afflicted with catarrh in my left hand and was unable for duty. I, with about forty others, was quartered in a large brick mansion which for the time served as a hospital. The rebel cavalry under command of General N. B. Forrest captured the town of Athens and surrounding the hospital made prisoners of all within except a comrade who escaped by climbing up the chimney they were then taken by the way of cherokee to meridian mississippi and while passing through here a citizen asked where did all those yanks come from the colonel in charge replied they are chiefly from ohio and indiana and are good boys they may be good boys but they have stolen all our negroes was the reply we continued our journey through selma alabama to cahaba in the same state when we arrived here we were required to register and received instructions as to the position of the deadline which it was certain death to cross i once stepped over this line but fortunately was not seen by the guard an escape was planned, and the inside guard was overpowered and disarmed, while the guard outside ran away, but owing to the lack of decisive action on the part of the prisoners, the attempt failed, and we were driven back into the prison. A cannon was planted in the door of the main building, and we were called upon to surrender. Our punishment was a fast of forty-eight hours. In the meantime, a guard had said he had bayoneted a prisoner, and we were compelled to undress and hold our clothes above our heads and march between the guards, but fortunately he was not discovered. On or about the 1st of March, 1865, the Alabama River got very high, owing to the incessant rain for the past few days, and consequently overflowed the prison to the depth of two feet at the highest place making it very disagreeable, for we had no place to stand up or lie down but in the water. About the 16th or 17th of March I was taken out with the last squad for parole, and we were taken via Selma, Demopolis, and Jackson, Mississippi. While overnight at Demopolis, Sergeant D. P. Canada of my company died. We stopped a day at Jackson, where a few of the boys drew some clothes. From there we were taken to Big Black in the rear of Vicksburg, where we arrived on the 21st day of March. 
Our men received us under the glorious stars and stripes on the 22nd, and we went into parole camp three or four miles in the rear of Vicksburg. Here we remained until the 25th or 26th of April, when I, with about 2,100 other paroled prisoners, was taken on board the ill-fated steamer Sultana. We started up the broad Mississippi with fond hopes of soon seeing the dear ones at home, but how few of us had the pleasure of realizing these hopes. We arrived at Memphis a short time before dark and took on coal and other matters. We left Memphis shortly after midnight on the 27th, and when seven miles above there the steamer's boiler exploded. I was at that time lying by the side of the pilot house with Corporal Jacob Irons of my company, and was asleep when it occurred. My first recollection was that I was on my feet and enveloped in a cloud of hot steam and was considerably scalded in the face. After the steam had risen, I said to Corporal Irons, what is the matter? And he said the boat had blown up. He seemed to be very much excited and told me they thought they could make the shore. These were the last words he spoke to me, but as the boys kept jumping off from the boat into the river, he kept calling for them not to, for they would all be saved. I then began to look around to devise some means of escape. I stepped back to where some of my company's boys were untying a yawl. I thought that I would help them get it down, and then I thought if I did they would all jump for it and perhaps be lost, which I learned afterward was the case. I then got a shutter and board from off the pilot house and tied them together with a pair of drawers. By that time the flames had come through. I then got over the railing behind the wheelhouse and climbed down to the lower deck. By this time all was confusion and men were jumping off into the river to get away from the flames. I looked around for a clear place to jump, for I knew that if I jumped in where men were struggling they would seize my board and I would be lost, for I could swim but very little. I waited a short time, and when there was an opening large enough I threw my board in, jumped on, and went down under quite a way, but came up all right and floated away from the boat. After I had gone four or five rods, a bundle of clothing came floating along, and I took it with my right hand and held on to the board with my left. I then floated with the current. Think I went on the south side of the island. I saw a boat going up on the other side and could see it by the side of the wreck as I floated down the river. I also remember seeing the lights of Memphis as I went past. I was picked up four miles below Memphis by two men in a yawl and rowed to the gunboat Pocahontas, where I was taken in, eleven miles from the scene of the disaster. I wish to state here that there were thirteen of my company on board the Sultana, and but two besides myself were saved. Their names were William Lockhart and William Yeasley. About the last thing I remembered was that I was very nearly chilled to death and could not survive much longer. They gave me some stimulants, 
and I did not remember any more until the next morning when I found myself undressed and between two mattresses. We were given red drawers and shirts by the Christian Sanitary Commission. I was then taken to the Gayozo house, where I think I stopped two days. After drawing clothing, we were put on the steamer Bell of St. Louis, our destination being Cairo, Illinois. While going there in the night, I remember several incidents that were amusing. Some of the more timid were springing up at every little noise, thinking there was going to be another explosion. At one time we supposed that we were having a race with another boat, and one comrade said if he had a gun he would shoot the captain. I wish to mention another little incident right here. There chanced to be a citizen on the boat, and discovering that I was a mason, he gave me a dollar and told me to get something I needed with it. I thanked him very cordially, for it was the first money I had in my possession for a long time. I hope if he is living now and sees this, he will remember this incident and will know that I have not forgotten him. I think we arrived at Cairo in the evening of the second day after leaving Memphis. We left here after twelve o'clock that night for Mattoon, Illinois, where we arrived the next day about two o'clock, and here the good citizens gave us a lunch. Our next destination was Terre Haute, Indiana, which we reached at ten that night. We remained here until the next morning. Our next move was to Indianapolis. We stopped there part of a day. From there we went to Camp Chase, Ohio, where we arrived on the 4th or 5th of May, 1865. Here I was discharged by special telegram from the War Department on the 21st. When I came home I worked at my old trade on the shoe bench for about ten years. Since that time I have been farming, have raised a family of four girls and three boys, and all are married but one boy. My post office address is Butler, Ohio. End of section 42